have had a crazy, emotional, kind of yucky week. For the ones of y'all that had a great week, I'm so glad. But this week has been yucky for me. I've cried a lot this week. I cried a lot with one of my patients at my office that just lost his wife two weeks ago. I cried over our country and seeing what was going on. I cried yesterday when my daughter left for college, even though she's smiling, going out the driveway, I'm just boohooing in the driveway. I came inside and I had no joy. I was sad, it's just been a crazy week. So I just started praying and I just started asking God, I need some joy. I don't know, I might be the only one in this room that have, has ever really needed to dig down deep and get some joy. But I'm admitting it today, I needed some joy. I was anxious, I've been anxious all week about everything that's going on. But I started reading, and this isn't a scripture, it's just something I saw and I wanted to share it with you this morning. We might be running around worried, anxious about everything, but this reminded me. Our king is seated. He's not frantically pacing. He's not anxious or nervous. He's not unsettled or even scared. Our king is seated, settled, and secure. And when I read that, I was like, if he's that, then all I need to do is honor that and worship him and give him everything I've got every single day. This week I started thinking, you know, I wonder what Jesus is thinking about all of us down here. You know, he gave us two reasons, two purposes for us to be here on this earth. One was to love him and to have a relationship with him. The second one was to love others and tell them about that relationship. And you know what? We can't even get that right. Two things that we are supposed to worry about here on this earth and we can't even do it. So yesterday I made a decision, that's all I'm going to worry about. I'm going to think about my relationship with him, and I am going to tell everyone that I see about him. I am going to be so intentional this year for 2021 to be aware of the people around me and just to share Jesus with everybody I meet. I hope you feel that way. If you don't, I hope before you leave this morning, you feel that way. You might have come in with a heavy heart, but let's trade that in for a joyful heart. Let's be thankful for what he's doing for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. And God, forgive us. God, forgive us for where we fail you every day. But God, we sin every day, but you are such a loving and a forgiving God that you just wipe that away. And you give us a new slate every morning. God, I want to tell people about you. I want for people to see me and know that there's something different about my life. And I want them to ask me, what is wrong with you? And I want to be able to tell them, it's I have Jesus in my heart and you need to have him in your heart. Lord, let's trade our heavy heart in this morning for a joyful heart. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. And God, thank you for being seated and settled and secure. And I pray that we can do that. God, wipe our tears away. Help us to focus on you 24-7. God, thank you for being such a loving God. And all we want to do now is just honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
come into worship, we can't worship from feelings sometimes, right? We got to worship from truth, and that is the Word of God, because sometimes you might sing along, I'm not pressed, but I feel pressed. I'm not crushed, but I feel crushed. I'm not abandoned, says the Word of God, but I might feel abandoned. So we can't go on the feelings, can we? We can't go on even the emotion. We have to stand on the Word this morning. So I want us to sing first again, and it just simply says, I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. The devil will tell us all day long that all of that applies to us, right? God's walked out on you. He's pushed you down. You're persecuted. God ain't going to do anything about it. But this says, I'm blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure. His joy is going to be my strength again. And do you believe that? This, do we really believe it? Come on. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. And I'm blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure. His joy is gonna be my strength. Boy, though his sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm Joy of the Lord. Oh, yeah. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down. With joy of the Lord. We say yes one time. Come on. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, Jesus, we come to praise you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is everything I'll ever need. I love you this morning, Jesus, and I want to thank you for salvation, Father God. I want to thank you for purpose, because there was a time when I didn't have either of those. But that's the reason I worship today, and it might be a little loud sometimes. We'll just stop and think about what you've done for us, Lord.
Father God, I just love what you mean to my heart, God, and I praise you, Jesus, that you are working. We've seen what you can do, Lord. We've, we've read about it in your word. We've seen it in our own lives. And Father, I just pray this morning that you continue. I know you said in your word, I've begun a good work in you, so I'm going to complete it for the day of Christ Jesus. So may this morning we just get out of the way and let you bring revival to our heart. This is our prayer for us, individually, our church, our city, our country, our world. Come awaken your people, come awaken this city, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. In Jesus' name. Every stronghold will crumble, I hear the chains hit the ground, oh God of revival. Oh, God of revival. 
this morning, God, you open our hearts to your word, Lord, as Brother Matt brings it to us. Jesus, let revival stir in our place, in our heart, in our church, Lord. that you had this morning on revival, because we want to focus on that today, and we want to hear God's word for us today. I shared with you last week that I will be introducing to you a word from God for us in 2021, this week and next week. And so I hope you will hear that as being a word that God gave to me, and also a word God gives to us. So I hope you'll take some notes, I hope you'll open your heart to receive what God's Word is, because I think it's very a very important Word for us today. I hope it's going to give some clarity of thought of what we are through going through, and also some hope of what we are about to face. Let's just walk back for just a minute. 2020, if you'll remember, we introduced that as a year of revival. You remember that? 2020. A year of revival. And we had so many scheduled events. I mean, we had reading through the Word. We had uh, times of whenever we'd be fasting and praying. We had special guests we had invited once every two months. We were going to have some special guests who came in who would preach to us and teach to us about revival. And we also had the fact that we felt in our hearts that we're going to have a time of spiritual and numerical growth as God would revive us. That's the way we approach 2020. Until rolling around in February and March, we have a pandemic that comes. And when that pandemic comes, you remember they asked us to shut the church down about four or five weeks, and we did it online. We did that to, to slow the spread of the virus. And then finally, they let us open back up, and, and some people came who are willing to come, and, and we practiced social distancing, things we'd never done before, and, and how to sanitize everything. As soon as somebody goes in and goes out, you've got to sanitize that. A lot of things we'd never done. But we, we did all of those things in order for us to be able to, to worship together. And then in our minds, I don't know about you, but in our minds, we felt like, well, this is going to go on about two or three months, and this is going to get better. Did y'all think that? I did. I never imagined that. I never imagined that it would go on for all of 2020 and that we're still facing it in January of 2021, to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that. Well, where we were in closing out 2020, and the year of revival, which we hadn't experienced yet, <laughs> uh, I felt I, I, needed a, I needed a word from the Lord. I needed a word from God. And so in our time, whenever we were, we were actually sick and we were home and, and it was a time when we had some time, I, I just got in God's word and asked God, I, I just need a word from you or for us. 
And the Lord led me to a passage of Scripture that kind of is obscure passage of Scripture. It's not one that you probably read all the time. But whenever I came there, the Lord revealed to me that this was His word for me or for us this year. And that I was to believe it, trust it, and live by it. And it it did help me as He gave me this word, and you'll see in just a moment, it, it helped me to have have some clarity of thought about what what we're going through and what we've been through. It also gave me a hope of better days to come. We all need that hope, amen, (laughs) of a better day that's coming. But more than anything else, it, it helped me to confess my failures and my need and to come to some understanding about how God is working what God is doing. So I, I want to share with you that word. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. That word, it's one verse. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. So if you would, I, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring your Bibles. I, I want, that's one thing the Lord impressed on me to say to you. It's, uh, it's totally extra. It doesn't cost you anything, all right? I really think you need to keep the practice of bringing your Bibles. I know a lot of you use phones and those kind of things. Let me tell you something. There's a testimony when you carry the Word around, all right? On Sunday mornings, whenever you're walking, coming to church, you need to carry I know the phones can give it to you, but you just need to carry your Bibles and have your Bible with you. And I want to encourage you to do that this year. Get in the Word. Now, why? Because I'm going to want you to do something in just a second. You're going to have a hard time doing it on your phone and remembering that. I want you to underline it, Okay. I want you to go ahead, if you got a pen there, I want you to you say, I don't write in my Bible. Well, do this just one thing for me, okay? You only have one writing in your Bible. I want it to be Jeremiah 1.10. I want you to just underline that, okay? And I want you to underline it for emphasis, and I want you to underline it so that you, you can go back and recall it. Another thing I'd like for you to do, at least for a while this year, I'd like you to put the ribbon in your Bible. Do you all have ribbons in your Bible? Most of us have those ribbons. Put that ribbon in your Bible right there on Jeremiah one. And, and the reason I want that ribbon there is because I want you to go back as often as you can. I want you to look at that particular passage of Scripture. All right? Jeremiah 1, chapter 10. Listen to what it says. This is the word that God gives to Jeremiah when he calls him to his work and to his ministry. He says, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Here's the important part. To pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow. Don't stop there. Look what it says next. To build and to plant. I want to read that again. To pluck up, to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, the first thing that strikes you about this particular verse is that it has a twofold purpose that Jeremiah says he has. There are two things that are opposite of one another, distinctly different from one another, that Jeremiah is going to do, or more importantly, that God is going to do in the nation of Israel. 
And if you want to separate those, you could put them in two categories. It is a destructive and a constructive message. You get that? It's a destructive message followed by a constructive message. Look, look at that verse again. The first four words are destructive. To pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, those are destructive. But then he comes to a constructive, to build and to plant. So this message that he's giving us, the message that he gave to Jeremiah, it says there are two things that are going to have to happen, two things that are going to take place. The first thing is going to be destructive, taking away, tearing down, not going to feel good, going to hurt. But that destruction is happening in order for a construction to take place. All right? Now, not only does he have a twofold message, but he has two illustrations inside of that verse. Two illustrations. One illustration is an illustration about a garden or a plot of land. A garden or a plot of land. And the other illustration is about a building or a house. Now, let me show you what I mean. He, he's going he's to give to us a picture of a garden plot that is not in good shape. All right, let's put that up there. Does that look like your garden? Does it look like your house, your yard? I hope not. Now, now most of us, whenever we... When we see that right there, we'd say, boy, I, I would never want my garden to look like that. I would never want my yard to look like that. I would, ne I would never want that to happen. Well, let me, let me stop there for just a minute and ask you a question. Do you, do, you have, do you have any idea what it takes for a garden to look like that? Do you have any idea what it takes? Let me, let me tell you what it takes. It takes absolutely nothing. All you have to do is nothing, and your garden will look just like that. Okay? It'll, now, now, why is that? Be, because we live in a sinful world. We live, we live in a sinful world. And because it's a, it's a sinful world, the whole world moves towards chaos. <laughs> it, it moves towards disorder. It doesn't get better, leaving it alone doesn't get better. You're, you're going to have to work for it to get better. All you have to do is do nothing, and you'll, you'll look like that. Well, how many of you would like, how would you like your garden to look like this? You see those hands. I see those hands, yes. I see those hands. Okay, this story and the illustration, the first one is, that there's a garden that needs to be ministered to. There's a garden that must be healed. There's a work that must be done because the garden looks like the first one and we want it to look like the second one, right? Well, the second illustration is about a building or a house. How many of you want to live in this? All right. 
right. Looks a little bit like it might be lean. What do you think? I don't think there's a square wall on any of that. The, the one on the right reminds me of our forts and clubhouses we used to build. Did any of you ever build clubhouses or forts? I remember what we, we used to find every piece of scrap lumber we could find and everything that might block the wind, and we'd bring it up there. We'd have to take the nails out of boards and straighten them because they were bent. Did y'all ever have to do that? Y'all, y'all are probably rich. But I, we weren't rich. We, we had to take them and take them, straighten out the nails. I have broken fingers to this day hitting my hands with straightening out those nails. To, to build a fort, that, that, look, that looks like one of the forts I built. And, and how many of us, how many of us think that is a superior house? That's a superior house that we have, right? Is that is that what you want to live in? Is that where you, no, no. Well, how many of you like to live in this house or these houses? Well, I see those hands. <laughs> I see those beautiful houses. So th- this story is about is about a garden that needs to be ministered to in order for it to be beautiful. And it's about a house that is inferior, that needs to be taken down and needs to be replaced. Okay? So you got, the, you got the, this one verse. We're just taking that one verse. That one verse is twofold. There's a destructive part of it in order for there to be a constructive part of it. In that illustrated in the garden where it is a needy garden, it becomes a beautiful garden. And in a house where it's a needy house or inferior house to make it a better and beautiful house. That's what the verse is totally about. But the verse is not really about, hold on a second, the verse is not really about a garden and it's not really about a house. The verse is about you and me. In their day, it was about the people of God, the nation of Israel. And and the ministry that Jeremiah is going to have is, the ministry that his work is, is not to build gardens and it's not to rebuild houses, it's not that all. His ministry is to the house of Israel, the people of God. And, And so this verse is not really about a garden and it's not really about a house, it's about the people of God. And who are the people of God in our day? People of God in our day are those of us who have been adopted into God's family because of Jesus dying on the cross and redeeming us and saving us and making us a part of the family. And and therefore, this word is for us. This word is for us individually. This word is for us as families. This word is for us as the church of the living God. This word is for us. And God revealing what he's doing. See, see, most of us, when we talked about the year of revival, we just thought that meant God would come along and bless us. He would add more to us, make our lives wonderful, make our lives easy. Have more of God in it. Yeah, I, now come on, just be honest with me. Don't be, don't be, don't be trying to fool me a minute. Isn't that kind of what we thought? Just things will be get better, and church will be better, and life will be better, and we'll be loving each other, and loving God more, and all those kinds of things. We we just thought that's what revival is. Just 
God would just come along and add stuff to us. Stuff we needed. God, God would add that stuff to us. Never did we think or never did we know or never did we anticipate that God in his work never builds on or blesses that which is inferior, which we do. Hold on, let me say that again. God doesn't bless that which is inferior, which is what we do. God's not going to come along and add to that and bless that. No, that's not the way God works. That's what, that's what Jeremiah is telling you. God doesn't work. See, what God has to do is God has to come along, and whenever we say, we say, God, we want you to send revival, and God, we want you to do a new work in our midst. Lord, we want you to have your will and your way. All those things we say. All those things we say. We didn't realize we were saying to God, God, when you bring revival, we know that means you're going to have to destroy some stuff. We know that that means you're going to have to take down some stuff. You're going to have to plow up some weeds. We didn't realize it. Did we? No. But God does. <laughs> and and God, God honors our prayers. And whenever, whenever we pray, whenever we pray, Lord, send revival, the Lord is the one who sends revival, and he knows how he sends revival. And the way he sends revival is the first thing, the first thing he's got to do is he's got to repair that and remove everything that's not of him so that he can make it See, the work of God is to remove what is inferior, to replace it with what is superior. Okay? He, he's not going to add to our inferior. He's going to remove the inferior to replace it with the superior. So, so whenever, we're, whenever we're praying for revival, what we're saying, based on Jeremiah's word, is, is Lord... Just plow up whatever you need to plow up. Lord, just take down whatever you need to take down. Lord, pluck up whatever you need to pluck up. Lord, overthrow or throw it down, whatever needs to be thrown. We want you to remove what is inferior, Lord. And we want you to build what is your superior, Lord. That's what it says. That's what, that's our, what our prayer means. Now, if we would have known that, some of us wouldn't have had guts enough to pray. Would we? Oh, no. I don't want any of that tough stuff. I only want that good stuff. I, I want that easy stuff. I want that blessing stuff. I, I, I don't want any of that hard stuff. We wouldn't have had guts enough to pray. But when we're praying for revival, we're asking God for revival. God, he knows that whenever we, we ask for revival, he's going to give us what we ask. And he knows the process. And the process is he's got to be destructed before he is constructed. Now, some of you, I, I, could, I, could, I could feel you. I could feel you. You're having a struggle with that. 
you struggle with that, man, I don't like that. I don't like to think that God kind of has to do that. I, I like to think that hard stuff has to happen. I, I want it easy believism. I, I want it to be smooth in my life. I, I don't want to have that. I want to have to think about God taking away stuff, working in me that way. I don't want to think about that. Well, it doesn't matter really what you think. That's the way God works. <laughs> That's the way God works. I'm sorry. So that's what he's going to do. In a very practical way, 2020 has been a time for him to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to reveal to us our inferior quality, to reveal to us what we've built that's not worth anything, to reveal to us the weediness of our life, to reveal to us those things, not in order to hurt us. He wants to remove it in order to replace it. But you've got to be willing for him to remove it in order for him to replace it because he's not going to simply add on what you have. So let's look at those two illustrations. We're going to look at one today. The first of the illustrations is about the garden. Remember that garden? I know all of you have great aspirations of having that in your home. That, that garden, as I, as I told you, to, to have a garden like that can look, you, you don't have to do one thing about it because of sin. Sin moves the garden that direction. Sin does that in your life as well. Did you know that? Hold on a second. Don't miss this. In order for you to get further away from God, in order for you to lose your passion for God, for His Word, in order for you to fail to do what God calls you in ministry, in order for all those things to happen, and for you to digress in your spiritual life, hold on a second, all you have to do is nothing. Just do nothing. And I promise you, you're not going to get closer to God. You just do nothing, and you are going to digress. You're going to look just like those weeds. Matter of fact, let me ask you a question. Would you be honest with me? How many of you today might, if you had to, had a picture of your life and a picture of your heart and a picture of your walk with God, how many of you might look like one of those gardens? How many of you might look like one of those gardens? Well, we try to protect that, you know. I look good on the outside. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. And here's the real question. Do you, do you want revival? Do you want God to do a reviving work in you? Well, I want that revival, amen? And, and therefore, I am willing for God to do whatever that God would take and He would take me where I am and He would transform me into what He can make me to be in the sense of a garden, amen? I want to look like that spiritually. I want to look like that. I'm here to tell you, that's not just happening. Somebody's worked on that. And, and I want God, who is the master gardener, I want him to be the one in charge of my life, and I want him to make me look like that. That's what I want. And it can happen for anybody. But hold on a second. In order for it to happen, something's got to take place. For that to look like that, something's got to take place. You know what has to take place? 
you got to take out all the weeds. you got to plow it up. Those first two words of destruction, see those words of destruction it says right here? you got to pluck it up. That's a good word for plowing or to break it down. Pluck it up or break it down. Get whatever is there out of the way. Do you think that a master gardener would take that up there in that corner and start throwing good seed in it? No, he wouldn't. Not at all. That would be a waste of seed. (laughs) So what's he going to do? He's got to bring it down to the soil in order to plant what he wants to plant. Now, hold on a second. How do you get it looking like that? You use these kinds of instruments. You use a hoe. Y'all know how to use a hoe? Y'all ever used a hoe? Did y'all know what a hoe was? A hoe's right there on the left-hand side. Some of you have never seen a hoe. Y'all know what it means for a long row to hoe? Look it up. Just look it up, okay? The, the, The thing on the right is a rake. That's not a yard rake. That's a what? That's a garden rake. That's right. It's not for raking leaves. It's for moving dirt. And the thing there in the the middle is what? It's called a tiller. We today have all these mechanical things we can use, and we use tillers and everything else. I'm here to tell you, those things have to be used to clean it up to plant it like it's supposed to be. And God would use every one of those things he needed to use to get that soil right so he could plant it to make it beautiful, all right? Now, let me tell you, let me tell you the truth of the matter. For some of us, we've got to bring in heavier equipment than that. Some of us need tractors and plows. Some of us need bulldozers. Bulldozers. We, we, our family bought a farm this past year, and, and I'll tell you what, we have moments of insanity. That was one of them. We, we, we bought this farm that hasn't been cared for in about 15 years. And when you haven't been cared for in about 15 years, you just go out there and it's beautiful pasture, running stream. It's kind of like that garden up there. I'm lying. It don't look like that. You go out there and you got privy hedge. You know what privy hedge is? If you don't know what it is, I will introduce it to you. Come out to my farm and we'll show you what privy hedge is. Privy hedge starts off a little stuff about like that. You grab it, pull it, break it down. If it is left, it grows into trees. So we've had bulldozers out pushing up privy hedge and piling it up and then burning it. I'm here to tell you, that is a job. That is a job to try to clear that land. You know what? Because left to itself, it goes to just boredom. Some of us, some, hold on, hold on. I know it's not this group who's out here on Sunday morning at 8.30. But some of the rest of us, some of the rest of us, we got privy hedge. It's been growing a while. But let, but let, let me show you one thing about God. He's got all the equipment he needs. To clear out your soil. There's, there's, not, there's not anything that anything that you have that he can't remove. Not one thing. So what God has to do, what God has to do, 
is God's coming along. Remember, we're not talking about a garden. This is a garden that illustrates a person's life. That, that what God has to do, he has to clear us up, clean us out to plant the seed to bring forth the fruit in the beautiful garden. And, and he's willing. He's willing to do anything. I, I personally believe, and I, I'll share something else with you just now, but I, I personally believe that's what God's done in 2020. And, and I believe I believe this, this pandemic and I believe all of this stuff is part of this plowing up, this bucking up that is taking down. I, I believe that's part of it in order to humble us, in order to help us to get to a point and a place where we say, God, we need for you to do something. And whatever it requires, we want you to do that. And I believe it's really been a destructive time. But praise God, I think that's, that's going to be coming to an end. Amen? I really believe that with all my heart. I, I believe with all my heart, when we come around about March or April, I think we're going to see some things begin to change. I, I, you can say, boy, you're saying that, you're, you know, I'm not getting on TV to say it, but I don't, it doesn't bother me. I feel like that's what God's told me. I feel like we're going to see a, a big change. I, I think 20, end of 2021 is going to be a great time to plant, to plant. Because he's been preparing us and removing from us a lot of stuff that we depended on and we thought life was all about. I think God wants to do that in our hearts individually. I know I want him to do it in my heart, my life individually. He wants to do it in our families, and he wants to do it in a church. Let me tell you one, one encouraging thing. Do you remember one of Jesus' favorite parables, our best-known parables? It's called the parable of the sower. Y'all remember that? The parable of the sower is found in, in Matthew. One of the accounts is found in Matthew chapter 13. The reason I want to share that with you is because it goes right along with, with this, this part of Jeremiah about the garden. Because it's Jesus coming and he's teaching about the sower sowing the seed. And he says the sower sows the seed on four different types of land. He, he said the first is by the roadside. Do you remember that? By the roadside. And, and whenever it's, it's by the roadside because it's hard ground, it's packed ground, the seed cannot go into the ground, and therefore, what happened to it? You remember what happened to it? The birds came and ate it, and, and it was stolen away. The illustration or the explanation of that was that this is the Word of God, is that seed. The seed was sown in somebody's heart along their life, in their soul. It was like on the roadside. It was so hard, the Word didn't, didn't penetrate. Therefore, the old devil comes and steals it away. Have you ever wanted to see an illustration of that in, in, in life out there in a, in a pasture somewhere? Have you ever noticed something about, have you ever noticed about cows? I mean, yeah, we, we need to have education, farm education. So let, you, ever, you ever notice anything about cows and how they cross a pasture? It's, it's the craziest thing. There's this, it can be an 80-acre pasture, and they're going to have one cow path right through the middle of that pasture. They all walk that same path. Why? I don't know. But they'll always, and there's not anything going to grow on that cow path because you know why? Because they're walking on it and they beat it down and they make it so hard, can't anything grow on it. 
That's the picture of this. It's, it's been trod upon, tread upon. It's, it's been tread upon so much it's become hard. The word of God can't penetrate it. He said there's a second type of soil. It was the rockier soil or sandy soil. There's, there's rocks all in it, and it's real shallow soil. And therefore, when you put the word in it, the, the, the seed in it, it would come up, but whenever the sun would shine, it didn't have a root system enough, it would, it would wilt away. And it's the idea of somebody who has a shallow heart and shallow, don't really understand the Word of God. They receive it initially, and first they're kind of excited about it, and then all of a sudden when things begin to try, then it, it fades away. It's just, it's just not there. See, rocky soil is not the easiest place to, to plant. I, Kevin told me something this week. He didn't even know what he was telling me, basically. He, he said, man, one of the hardest jobs I ever had when I was a kid, he said, was one man paid me all summer to, to pick up rocks out of his pasture. To pick up rocks out of his pasture. And he said, you know, I hated that job, but he says, whenever I get all those rocks out of there, the pasture looked good. It sure does. But you know what? God likes rocks. God likes rocks around here. It's one of the rockiest places I've ever seen in my life. You go down to where I'm from, there aren't any rocks. You can drive something in. Here, every five inches, there's a rock. We, we, we turned over some dirt at the farm, and there's rocks everywhere. You want some rocks? Come get rocks. Free. In fact, I'm thinking about hiring Kevin this summer. Pick up rocks. It, it, it's, it's shallow soil. It doesn't, doesn't grow much left to itself. There's a third type of soil. The third type of soil was the thorns and thistles were all in that soil. Nobody prepared it. Nobody planned it. Nobody plowed it up. They just took, what did they do? Throw the seed out there. And you know what the seed did? It sprang up. When it sprang up, though, the thorns and thistles were better and bigger and stronger. So it choked out the seed. Choked out the seed. Those are the worries and cares of life that choke out the Word of God. Remember his illustration of the but then there's finally, there is the good soul. The good soul. And that good soul receives the seed. And as it takes the seed, it multiplies it over some tenfold, some six, some hundred. It, it multiplies. That's what's supposed to happen with a seed. It's supposed to, supposed to flourish. And it flourished in good soil. But here's the key. Listen, hold on a second. Don't, don't miss this. You probably never thought about this in relationship to that, that story. But do you realize that, that every one of those soil could eventually be fruitful? Every one of them could eventually be fruitful. If they plowed up the roadside or the cow path, if they dug up the stones and rocks and gave some debt for the seed, if they weeded out and took away and plucked up those thorns and thistles and gave the seed a chance, they all could be good soil. But there has to be a destructive aspect to each of those soils for them to be productive. But if, if allowed, if allowed, that master gardener, that, that one who knows the soil can, can make all of them good. So I'm going to tell you, I don't care where you are in, in relationship to those soils. All you have to do is let him put in the plow. All you have to do is let him do a work, and you can become productive. You can become a blessing. You can become the beautiful garden that God wants you to be.
Now, we know what the instrument to make a garden acceptable and productive. We saw those instruments. But here's the real question. What is it that what is it that prepares and makes ready a heart? Your heart. Your spirit. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not a plow. Even though sometimes when God's working on us, it feels like a plow. You ever felt like you've been plowed under? It's not a plow. And, and what, is it, what is it that prepares a family? A, a family, what, what prepares a family to be, a, be fruitful and to be productive? And then beyond that, you see, you got individuals who are parts of families, and families make up the church. What is it that, that makes the church fruitful? What is it that helps us to, to be beautiful and to be superior and to be that beautiful garden instead of the wasted, unkept garden? What, what, is, what, what are the instruments? Let me share with you very quickly. You'll be finished. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says this in verse 3. Talking to the children of Israel. And he, talking about God, humbled you and let you be hungry. And he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that he does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Now, what's he talking about? He said, God is teaching you. God is working you. Now, back up to verse 2. Listen. And you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you. Here it is. Underline it. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Do you know what prepares our heart for God to build superior things rather than the inferior things. You know, you know what God, you know what the instrument of God, He uses testing. We go through times of testing. Now that testing, my friend, listen, that testing is not for God to find out what's in our heart. God already knows what's in our heart. He's an all-knowing God. He tests us for us to find out what's in our heart. And whenever He tries us and he tests us, he reveals to us who we are. He, he reveals to us whether I'm that beautiful gardener, whether I'm that weedy pot. His testing will reveal who we are. And if you want testimony of that, just listen to Peter. Peter was the one that Jesus said, listen, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. And after you've been sifted, then you shall strengthen, after you shall strengthen your brothers. Sift you like wheat. Go read what Peter writes in 1 Peter when he talks about the revelation of the glorious Christ who comes through testing. How did he know the revelation of the glorious Christ? Because it comes through testing. Because he's been there. And testing reveals who we are. Friend, he works in our hearts 
but it works in our families, but it works in our church, and I dare say works in our community. And we are in the midst of a period of testing. We're in the midst, in, in that garden, of him plowing and working and removing that which he needs to remove and to do that so that it will be rebuilt and restored and made to be superior and awesome. What God wants to do is a glorious thing. And, and we, need to, we need to hang on and hold on and allow him to do whatever he needs to do. We need to do all we can in the next few months protect everybody we can to do whatever we can in regard to those things. We need to be praying for one another, encouraging one another. We need to do whatever we need to in order for this testing and destructive time to get over so the planning time comes. And what a glorious time it's going to be whenever we begin to plan. I want, I want to give you a, a, a few things that you'd write down. And the, these are things that I think we need to do based on God's Word. And next week I'll share the second part of this about the building. And we'll talk about the truths of that and what Jesus talks about building. But here's some things I think you need to do. Four things. I think, first of all, in the midst of our testing, what we're going through, there's a realization of our condition. Would you be willing for God to just reveal to you what your condition is? I mean, where are you in relationship to the garden? Weedy or beautiful? Are somewhere in between. Are in the midst of being plowed, plucked up, and prepared. Realization of your condition. Second thing is, you need a desire to be better. You need a desire to, to not be an inferior, but to be superior. You, you don't want to be weedy. You want to be that beautiful garden. You need that desire for something better. Third thing is a willingness for God to pluck up and to break down. Just say, God, God I'm resting in you. God, I, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know this is not easy for you. It's not easy for me. You say, it's not easy for God. No, God loves you. God loves you. But God, I want you to do whatever you need to do, and, and I'm willing for that to happen, for you to do whatever you need to do to prepare me And the final thing is a trust that the master knows the best and that the results are going to be beautiful. That you know best, Lord. You know best. And that what you're doing in me is going to be beautiful. This week, I hope and pray you'll spend some time with this word. I, I hope that you'll ask God to reveal its truth to you. I want you as best you can to imagine that this is not the word of a preacher, but this is a message from God about where we are and what's happening and what he's wanting to do. And you'll receive it the same way. Then you'll come back next week. We'll talk about further explanation of this promise that God gives to us and what Jesus says about building a house build a house upon it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for truth. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for a promise, a promise that I need. As we face 2021, as we look at things that still are uncertain and things that are difficult, 
be able to know, Lord, that you are in charge, to know that you are working and this is part of your plan is an encouragement to me. I pray that you'd give us strength along the way. I pray that you'd help us to draw closer to you and have a willingness in our hearts for you to do whatever you need to do to touch us. I pray, Lord, for you to truly bring revival to our lives, our families, our church, our community, and that we're willing to pay the price and walk through the days, as difficult as they may be, for you to prepare us, bless us, and for revival to come. I pray right now, Lord, for every believer here, because this message, this word, is to your children. As though you wrote it just to them, your children, about what you're doing, what you plan to do here in their lives. I pray that you'd strengthen them and bless them and encourage them and let them accept the truth and respond and live by that truth. And be open for you to do whatever you need to do. I pray for that person who's never given their heart to Jesus. They don't know him. They don't know the love and kindness, fellowship, and forgiveness. And I pray today might be a day they'd say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to know him fully. I want to walk with him closely. And I want him to be in charge of my life. Get someone encouraged to step out this morning and make that commitment to Christ. Somebody else needs to be baptized. If you come, we'll help you follow baptism, believers baptism, that was Jesus' commanded us to do. Maybe there's someone who needs to join our fellowship, we welcome you, we'd love for you to come, be a part of the Parker family as God has led you. It's invitation time for you and me to respond. As they sing, you come, our men are here to help you, to greet you, you come.
into our Sunday school Bible study hour. The Lord will fellowship with one another, that we'll encourage one another in the word, and we'll encourage one another to walk uprightly before the Lord. Bless our fellowship, bless those who are sick. We ask for you to heal them, to minister to them. We pray for the defeating of this virus. We pray for our nation to find peace that we so desperately need, and for leaders to show wisdom that is from above, certainly not of their own, but from above, to bring peace to our nation and to work in you can be a blessing to the world. Pray for people who are visiting with us that they would be blessed because they've come to be a part of our family today. We pray for our families to keep them safe and that you use us mightily. And we allow you, Lord, to do whatever plucking and breaking down you need to do because we are looking forward to what you are going to do as you rebuild us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you'll stay for Sunday school.